This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and uh, the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Metal 2 People's Radio. G'day and welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. This week we were lucky enough to talk to Ivor Sandoy from the band Enslaved. Absolutely fantastic interview with him. Uh, then we're going to be um, having a look at Typo Negative. Uh, they just released a new video this week. Um, they're sort of like jumping on the uh, success of the reissue of Dead Again. Um, and then we will uh, finish off the show with our um, Kiwi Metal, as we always do. So without further ado, first off we're going to be having a track from the newest um, enslaved album, uh Hindle, which uh, is released uh, tomorrow, uh, or actually today, um, in Kiwi time, um, and we're going to be featuring the track Forest Dweller before the interview, and then after the first part of the interview, we're going to be featuring the track uh, Caravans to the Outer World, which was off the EP they released just before uh, the latest album, which comes out tomorrow.
Today we're talking with Ivor Sandoy from the band Enslaved. Uh, they're about to release their 16th album, uh, Heimdall, I hope I pronounced that correctly, uh, on the 3rd of March. Uh, that's actually the date that this uh, interview will be airing. Uh, you must be extremely excited to be getting this one out. Yes, yes, definitely. It's been uh, it's been a long while. Uh, the album was actually, I think we finished mixing it like almost ten months ago. Oh wow! So um, so it's taken some time, but there you go. Like different stuff pop up, and it's been a weird time, of course. <laughs> yeah, and uh, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, but here we are at last. Finally, it's getting re- released. Oh, mate, that's absolutely brilliant, man. Now, this is your second full album with the band. You joined with, uh, about around two eighteen for the twenty eighteen for the the last album, and then the EP, um, and now this one. So, I mean, you must be fully excited to be right in there. Yeah, um, it's. Um... Hopefully, I uh, I get to show even more of um, my drumming uh, in the new album, but um, it's all about the songs anyway. I try to do what what fits, and uh, Enslaved has a strong signature from way before I started working with them. So it's uh, it's also about uh, doing what I do uh, and fitting that into the enslaved sound but um i've been i i did join as a drummer it's only my second album as a full-time drummer but um i have been producing them since uh 2010 so and we've been close friends for like 25 years so uh, so it it didn't really feel like it's just that I t- took on some extra jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was it. I was going to talk to you about the, the history with the guys because, uh, like you say, you've been producing and co- co-producing for quite some time as well. So, you know, I mean, it must have been uh, pretty cool to, after all that history and spending time with them, to finally actually jump in hands-on. Yeah, it, it, it was... The, the way it came together was... Uh, well, obviously, I've been doing like playing uh, drums on a couple of songs live. Uh, if uh, if the previous drummer couldn't make it to like you know special short gigs or or special projects, and that goes back to well, the first time I performed with them was, it must have been two thousand and six, oh, wow. uh, where we performed songs from the Rune album uh, to to a silent movie from twenty uh, from nineteen eighteen. Uh, in <laughs> in an outside venue set by the Norwegian coast, um, so so that was cool. Um, but I uh, I digress. Yeah, right before they they asked me to join, I had been subbing for Kato, the the previous drummer, because he was having his first child like the year before, back in twenty seventeen. And originally, Ivar uh, asked me, uh, well, he's having his child and can you do a couple of, could you sit in for a couple of gigs? And at that point, I, uh, I told him, okay, I'll do, um, I can do a couple of gigs, but on, on, on one condition that we only do like 
the newer stuff, none of that old school, uh, hyper fast uh, <laughs> stuff. Because cause I didn't feel uh, at that point I hadn't really been playing metal for for many years. So, and he agreed, yeah, yeah, cool, we'll do the um, the the stuff that you've been part of producing and uh, the progger uh, stuff, and uh, you, you'll be fine. <laughs> and then and then uh, perhaps. Uh, after I, I agreed, and uh, maybe a week or two after that, he called me again and said, um, he f- Kato forgot to mention that the actual date that he is supposed to be having his child, we have been uh, contracted by uh, the local festival to play the first album in its entirety, oh. which, is like, <laughs> which is like total black metal. Yeah. And, uh, and I was... Oh, Fuck you! <laughs> but, uh, but I was kind of uh, I was kind of trapped then. So um, okay, I'll I'll put the work in and I'll see if see what we can do. And it actually went pretty well. Yeah. So um, but then it was that was August um, 2017, and it was like okay, we had finished a new album uh, with the guys, and uh, it was like okay, thank. This was great fun. Uh, have a nice tour and see you next album, basically. Yeah. And and then, well, they they went on tour and um, come December that year, I got a text message from uh, Grutler saying, "Okay, we are here now uh, in Russia. Kato has quit, and if you're not joining, I'm quitting." <laughs> <laughs> oh well. <laughs> Yeah, it, I I don't know how serious he was, but um, <laughs> it was it it was fun anyway. Yeah, but but being um, they recently had the, uh, the the previous lineup changed with the Herbrand, the the keyboard uh, keyboard player singer, leaving, and we brought Hawkon in, so it kind of felt like uh, another another new guy into the chemistry. Um, let's just. Uh, fix it in house this time. Okay, I'll do it, and because it it felt kind of natural, and I had been um, been doing some live stuff, to, so we knew that it it was actually a viable option. So um, that's how that came about, and then five years later, here we are. Oh, man, that's epic, man! So you guys, for the um, album, you've released the three singles so far. Um, and you've also got the the one track from the the previous EP that's also on the album. Um, yep. Can you tell us a little bit about the the videos? I mean, do you guys get to do that yourself? I mean, is there much uh, band input into that, or does somebody come up with the story and do all that sort of carry on for you? Well, it it varies. Um, generally, Ivar uh, and Grutler will give. Uh, the video people some pointers perhaps just uh, the general concept of the of the songs and the, the, like the general feeling we want and then but by this point we're working with people that know us well and that we trust so what they come back with is generally um, um, to our liking and then you, of course you always you, you do a few adjustments uh, but basically it's uh we give them free reign and then perhaps after that rein it in a bit yeah oh excellent and um you guys have released quite a bit of um sort of video content on youtube and all that sort of carry on 
um, and doing the live performances, and, and there was like a, the, the big band thing. I mean, that, yes. that was all pretty cool, man. I mean, that was, yeah. seemed to be a lot during the pandemic and carry on. Oh, yeah. Um, well, what else could we do? We we had to, um, we, we were lucky enough to kind of get, got, uh, we got thrown in, uh, into the deep end with uh, with that whole streaming thing pretty early in the pandemic because there was some uh, more from the, from the pop world here in Bergen they were doing a, an online festival just two weeks into the pandemic because there were all these Bergen artists from from all genres that were kind of trapped here and everything got cancelled as we as we know but uh, suddenly they had all these people that normally are on the road. Uh, that they could uh, put together a pretty eclectic festival with. And they asked us to be like the metal evening. Yes. And uh, obviously, uh, well, from the reaction, it seems like seemed like the whole metal world was was in their sofas watching our show that evening. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we, we got some pretty massive reactions. And that, then it kind of dawned on us uh, that, okay, if we're going to be stuck home for who knows how long, then um, maybe this is something that we can uh, put some work into and uh, try to uh, raise the bar even higher. Because um, our first show there went pretty well and it, it had a decent production. Yes. So we couldn't really go back to... Uh, playing acoustic guitars in a sofa uh, type thing <laughs> yeah. uh, that that people were doing and that got got old pretty fast yeah so then we kind of um well we we got the resources uh we scrambled the resources together to do that uh streaming thing and kind of accumulated knowledge uh during those years on how to do it in our in our eternal quest to uh, do our own version of uh, "Live at Pompeii" by Pink Floyd, that's kind of the, <laughs> that's yeah. that's the that's the in, eternal uh, inspiration for stuff like that, which fits perfectly with no audience and all. Yes, yes. So, all right. um, so yeah, yeah. It it was fun and uh, very um, educating and hell of a lot of work. Yeah, but it kept it kept us in the public eye, so that was great. Well, that's it. I mean, it was it was hard to keep interested in that time, you know, and everyone was uh, needing the music because it was, I mean, it was a dark time for a lot of people and they needed something to, to find that release because, I mean, no one was going to shows or anything. Yeah. yeah so so um, drumming and singing in a live setup, I mean, that must be pretty difficult. I mean, watching you do that, I mean, it's one thing to, to record because you'd be able to do it separately, but doing that live, yeah. man. Well, it's... Uh... <laughs> I don't view I don't view myself as uh one I'm not the most technical drummer two I'm probably uh, uh, not the best singer and three I'm no athlete <laughs> so uh, but so those th- three things combined um yeah it um, I've survived uh, so far but um it kind of uh, I've been doing it for many years like s- singing and drumming so uh, but Maybe not in the extreme sense that I like with the double bass uh, drumming and blast beats at the same time yeah. as I'm singing. As long as I don't get a heart attack anytime soon, at least I uh, <laughs> that's a 
that's a daily cardio exercise uh, and <laughs> perhaps the only one I'm getting. So, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no, I'll, impressive, I'll, man. I'll take it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, well, it was cool, eh? And, and, yeah, I mean, it's like you don't see many people being able to do that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was pretty uh, impressive, like I say. So, um, anyway, can you tell us a little bit about the, the writing and the recording process, how you guys work? Well, generally, uh, Ivar writes all the music, um, Ivar Bjornsson, and then when the when the demos are done, or it, it can vary. Sometimes all the music is written, and then we start working on the vocals. This time it was more, um, he started with sending some demos of songs, and then Grutle and me... We start working on the vocals, like uh, writing the vocal lines and um, like spreading uh, the vocals around the songs based on uh, on what lyrics we have to perform. And um, so basically everything is more or less uh, finished, arranged, like in the... Uh, in the big in the in the bigger sense before we start recording properly and then it's it's kind of standard we uh, do the at least for the for the last two albums we do the start with the drums and then go on with guitars and bass and and, and then the fun starts with the <laughs> like uh, the kind of the more experimental bits uh, yeah adding the the bit of psychedelia and uh, having f- having a bit of fun in creating the final uh, final product and what we've been what we've been doing for the for the last two or three maybe even four albums is finishing off the whole recording process by going away uh, either to uh, Grutler's cabin or uh, or the last few albums uh, uh, to his house, which has a beautiful view and a garden where we can do a barbecue and stuff. Uh, we have a couple of days there with just a bit of brainstorming, saving up some uh, communal uh, vocals, maybe, and like doing the odds, uh, some planned stuff and some spontaneous uh, stuff, just to to add that final touch to yeah. to the album. So. And then it's um, sending it off to uh, Jens Bogren in Sweden for mixing it. And uh, we travel over there to attend it and finish it off. So that's from start to finish. That's basically it.
If you're enjoying this podcast in Manawatu, you could make your very own, just like this one. NPR exists to help people like you tell your story or share your passion on air and online. Check out npr.nz for more information. Welcome to Metal 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and the latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Metal 2 People's Radio. Okay, we're now going to play part two of the interview. Before we do, we're going to be featuring the track Kingdom, which is also off the new album Heimdall, which is released on... Uh, March the 3rd um, and then after that we're going to be um, featuring a track of Urtag, uh, the track Flight of Thought and Memory
So you've got some guests on the the album, like the, the horn blower at the start of Behind the Mirror, and and some guests on Heimdall the the, the final track. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Well, to um, Heimdall, the the Norse god, of course, that serves as a kind of um, abstract inspiration for the for the album, both in abstract and the concrete inspiration for the album. Uh, he's known as the the horn blower, of course. So then, uh, it was kind of an obvious choice to uh, ask Eilif from uh, Wadruna, is uh, a good friend of ours, um, to come and uh, and uh, bring his uh, bronze lure, uh, which is like an ancient instrument. Yeah. Uh, so we um, we took some small rowing boats and. Uh, Went out on a a little quiet lake near near where Grutli is living, and we um, perched Eilif uh, uh, on a on a little stone near the water, uh, so he could blow his horn, and we got it to reverberate around this lake while uh, Grutli and Hawkon were um, paddling in the canoe with a recorder past him to get that uh, <laughs> to get that uh, perspective a little bit of um, pink floyd soundscape uh, soundscaping there which we, we we enjoy yeah and then uh, for heimdall we have um, also maybe a kind of a abstraction from a pink floyd dark side of the moon kind of thing which is one of eva's all-time favorite albums with um, we had a lot of guests um, reading uh, or discussing uh, themes that they have been given, like small clues from Eva to, and then we just made this huge collage of of voices that you maybe can pick out some words from, and some of it is more abstract. But there, there's some uh, philosophy and uh, views on life offered in there in different languages it's norwegian english um and and a lot of uh, more <laughs> uh, yeah a lot of languages that i can't understand <laughs> um, but but it's there it it offers up something um, um that you maybe maybe can't grasp on the surface, but uh, hopefully it eats your way into your brain and uh, gets you the, to think. Yep. I'll listen to it while you're asleep, you reckon? Yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> uh, hope, you don't, uh, hope you don't wake up with uh, murder in mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like the idea. That, I mean, that you're talking about you know some of those things and, and like the, the recording on the... Um, on the stone of the horn and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something that, um, like I've got a friend down here who's got a band called Beltane and that's something that they love doing is they'll go to, like they'll do it seasonal, they'll go to like a lighthouse or out in the forest and they'll record exactly. there to get those different um, vibes and, and just get those captious moments and things, you know. And it's something that, I mean, a lot of people don't do that and it's sort of pretty sad really in a, in a lot of ways because it sort of makes all the music sterile to an extent. I mean, it just adds something to it, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. It, it Of course, you could argue that from a, from a purely uh, sound 
uh, viewpoint, it doesn't really matter because you could do all you could recreate all that in the studio with the artificial uh, reverbs and but yeah. putting putting in the work and doing it maybe introducing some restrictions to what you can achieve by of course when you you bring a little recorder into a lake in the middle of nor- nowhere in Norway there there are quite a few things that you can't do and you have to you have to work with those restrictions so if you go to a lighthouse like you say to do some uh, special recordings uh, i think all those little things influence uh, the final result in some way even even though you maybe in all in, in quite a lot of instances you can't really put your finger on it but the stuff that we're doing just go, going to a house uh, and in the middle of nowhere that you can record vocals, Grutlus recital vocals recorded in the middle of the night uh, outside where it's totally quiet and what's not quiet is just like the maybe the sound of the odd bird or the sound of the water splashing beneath uh, the house. It's those vague uh, or little glimpses of atmosphere that kind of adds up i think at least um well it it seems like uh, people are appreciating uh the work we put in because the feedback you get is uh is that people are picking up on what we're trying to achieve even though you can't necessarily say that oh i can quite clearly hear that you haven't recorded this in a studio yeah because um, well most parts are, but then you have those little additions and um, uh, special things that, and also it's not just picked from some sample bank uh, on the internet that is also very easy. Uh, so we try to um, we try to make it a bit harder for ourselves, and and then the payoff is hopefully bigger. Well, that's right. I mean, like for I mean a lot of people. Um, music isn't just about, um, I guess the the sound. I mean, it's about the the feelings it invokes, and you know the the um, you know how it makes. Yeah, it is. It's about how the feel how it makes you feel, and and getting that vi- capturing different vibes and everything comes through in music. Whether you, um, I mean, some people don't listen to music for that, um, but a lot of people do, and you know. Those things come through, um, you know, whether you like it or not. <laughs> it just seems to be there. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I totally agree. And it's the, uh, for me at least, I can't. Um, we we put a lot of uh, well, many of us uh, put a lot of uh, energy into uh, claiming that we're we're not nostalgic because nostalgic has kind of become a bad word, but. To me, music is so much about nostalgia, and and that doesn't mean mean that you you're trying to relive something like if you if you listen to uh, music from the seventies, it's it's not like I want to recreate that album in the music that I make now. But music is nostalgia; it's repetition, and uh, the reason that you react positive positively to any music is that it triggers some memories in you so that that per definition is nostalgia and you can't 
you can't really separate the music from the stories. Like music as a cultural thing is uh, for for all us humans. It's it comes from the from the campfire and uh, and like the the society of it all. It's uh, it what's keeping us. It what brings us together, or suppose um, that's what it's supposed to do anyway. So coming back to um, those stories that we now have and those little elements that we now have in the music that is inseparable from the experience of the music um it will of course it it'll vary to what extent you're able to convey um those stories just from listening to it but um like you say the the intro to this album it's kind of obvious what you hear you you hear the water you hear the canoe and you hear the horn um so um so yeah i I think it's. I think it is important, and 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 it is a big part of the the music that you have the the stories around it contributing to how you experience it. Yeah, well, that's. I mean, like you get like a lot of pop music or rap music or something. I'm not going to actually just really list off genres, but a lot of music is just like paint by numbers, you know. And you know, just you can see there's two types of musicians in my mind. There's people that can technically play music and they can just, but there's no feeling in it. And then there's people that have that feeling and you can, and it comes through, you know, but it doesn't, may not be technically accurate and may not be beautifully every note hit on the right, but, but, you know, they capture a feeling and that, and that's mm. what this is sort of about. And that's where the, um, that that thing of uh that feeling comes through when you do the things like recording out and the elements and all that sort of stuff you know it's capturing that moment and you know whether you uh, it's something that comes through whether you like it or not it's not something that you can sort of hide i guess very easily no uh, but um but no, it's, it's not obvious it, like you say but it, it's there well it's like uh it's like carpentry i guess i i, I like my uh my living room table to uh be well built but uh, it's only when you get a few chips in it and uh yeah. it, uh, add a few p- imperfections of your own that you start loving it yeah yeah exactly so so it's uh, it's like that with music as well it has to um the, we're not perfect by any uh, uh by any sense of uh any measure of uh, of the word so uh, our little imperfections make our uh, make our carpentry lovable perhaps. yes <laughs> oh it's all your your unique um sort of uh how would you put it inspirations and from coming from all of you guys you know you've got all of those different things coming together that make uh, yeah a beautiful picture but um yeah comes across as chaos sometimes but <laughs> Well, that uh, that is also part of the the picture and and how what it is to be human. There's a lot of chaos surrounding us, and um, you wouldn't want to let that out because it wouldn't be real. Yeah. Awesome. So, um, on a slightly different topic, uh, because we're actually starting to run out of time. Um, yeah. First recollections of music. What was it that first you first heard or you first became aware of music? And what did it, yeah. Well, the the very first must have been like the lullabies just uh, being sung to. I mean, <laughs> the the first song I can remember hearing on the radio, uh, it must have been, because uh, I think it just 
was uh, running all day, all night on every radio station back in the late 70s. It's um, a disco song called uh, The Rivers of Babylon by, I think it's Bonnie M. That's scary, mate, uh, because I remember uh, yeah. that very much myself. We must be very yeah, close well, to we- we, yeah, I'm I'm 48 now, so um, oh, we're exact same age, dude. Yeah, yeah. So you will remember that they fucking brainwashed us with that song. They did. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrific. I remember it all the time being played on the TV. Yeah, it comes right back to me. <laughs> like you said, I just remember that. So it was probably summer of must have been 78, 79, something. Yeah, oh, I don't remember yeah. exactly what year, but I remember, no, no. remember being. Yeah, you know, brainwashed like you say was that I can uh, physically see it in my mind where I was and everything listening to that. <laughs> That's cool. And then, but my my first like big uh, musical kick, um, apart from uh, the the of course the Norwegian bands that got uh, got played on the radio and and even the the Norwegian uh, the the heavier bands like uh, there was a band called Flux. And um, which had guys like uh, a, a guy called Hans Rotmo, who uh, later uh, started a band called Vemmel, who is singing in Norwegian in a very folky way. And those things were played on the radio all the time here. But you, you can actually, you can hear stuff like, uh, at least in my vocal lines, I, I know that I'm kind of, I'm influenced by that uh, Norwegian folky pop thing that was a very much present in in the 70s and uh but then like the first huge kick like okay uh, this gets my blood running was uh, uh the beatles i i can still remember kind of the feeling i got in my body from being a little boy and hearing she loves you for the first time yeah so there's there's something universal about that band that just uh well I love them and still do. Nice. Oh that's brilliant mate. Well we're very quickly running out of time so um yep. got a few questions for you. Um release shows are you going to be able to do a release show and um get out on tour soon? Well there's um in one week in the first uh, coming Friday we're playing in Bergen. And uh, then there's a U.S. tour in April, and then it just goes on from there. I I haven't I don't even know everything that we'll be doing. And, uh, yeah, it would be great to uh, come around to your part of the world, but um, uh, I don't know about that, sadly. Yeah, but, uh, it's quite a leap to so, get down here. Yeah, it is, but someday. Oh, we'd love to have you down here, man. Um, come through down through Japan and then through to Australia and New Zealand. You know, it'd be a yeah, fantastic yeah. band. That's what, that's what we did last time in Australia. We went uh, Australia and then Japan. So, uh, but it's still it's a long way to New Zealand from uh, even from Australia, isn't it? Oh, it's just a little leap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little leap, mate. Okay.
If you enjoy this NPR podcast, please consider subscribing. Our podcasts are available on all major podcasting platforms. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify, as well as the accessmedia.nz app. Metal Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and our latest new releases brought to you by NPR Metal of Two Peoples Radio. A few weeks back we featured Typo Negative, Carnivore and then a few other of the further projects from some of the guys from Typo Negative uh, after Pete died. Um, today we're going to be looking at the uh, Dead Again reissue which has just been released um, at the end of last year and on there there was some, uh, there was some bonus tracks which were the, some live tracks from Wacken. Um, so first off we're going to be featuring the track Dead Again which was the title track off the album and then we're going to go straight into the latest video that they've just released but we're going to play the audio obviously of Love You To Death live from Varken um, in 2007. Turning 
Meruatu Metal, Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by MPR, Meruatu People's Radio. Oh, my God. 
in these last two tracks that we're going to be playing uh, from the live concert as well. Um, these are my two favourite songs, probably off Bloody Kisses. And this is the track Black Number One and Christian Woman. Enjoy. We'll be right back. 
Metalatu Metal Metal Heads Radio proudly brought to you by NPR Metalatu People's Radio.
support this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate. G'day and welcome to Battle 2 Metal, Metalheads Radio. Local, national and international news, interviews and our latest new releases brought to you by NPR, Battle of Two People's Radio. And as usual, we end our show with some Kiwi metal. Uh, first off, we're going to have something new from Ulcerate. I absolutely love this album. Uh, and we're going to have the track Stare Into Death and Be Still. Uh, then we're going to have something new from Tuscoma, from uh, Wellington, um, from their new album Discourse. Uh, is the modern still modern? Okay, so without further ado, here is some Ulcerate and Tuscoma. <laughs>
Metalatu Metal Metal Heads Radio, proudly brought to you by NPR Metalatu People's Radio.
and we're going to finish off the show with uh, two tracks from Backyard Burial. This is from their split uh, EP that they did, uh, Grinding Aotearoa. Uh, we're going to have You're Not Getting Your Hand Back and Post-Mortal Ejaculation. The Cannibal Corpse come. Separating what's true and what isn't, what's fact and what's fantasy, has always seemed a problem for Anthony Dixon. Thank <laughs> you. 